The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Thomas Sanurjo. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. It's good to be here. And we'll be welcoming a special guest. Uh, I'm going to try it again. I've only said this once. Kailash Duraswamy from Fidei Email. Is that right? Kailash, but that was close enough. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I've got one of those names where people struggle to get it right, whatever. So I, I'm very sensitive to it. But thank you for joining us. We really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, before we get to, to uh, talking to Kailash, uh, I want to first tell everyone about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called Let's Science. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash science. Uh, I do want to start off with a little bit of listener feedback from our last episode. We talked about one of the picks of the week was uh, Pat had picked some PDF editing, uh, free editing uh, options for PDFs. And so Ben H on our Discord sent in a note. He said, uh, Pat's pick of the week about Word and LibreOffice and PDFs. Word and LibreOffice Draw are good for simple PDFs that only contain uncomplicated text, though a lot of forms and things you might want to fill in or edit will likely run into sometimes big formatting issues if you use those programs to edit them, especially if text in the PDF is treated as an image instead of actual text, such as if the PDF is a scan of a hard copy of a document. Even specialized PDF conversion programs tend to have difficulty with at least the formatting, if not the accuracy of the text when putting them into a Word document format. I work for a company that specializes in converting and cleaning up the formatting of documents from PDF to Word as one of our main projects. We use professional conversion programs, Adobe Acrobat and Word with third-party add-ons for our work. If you don't want to pay the monthly subscription to Adobe, a program I will sometimes personally use is Master PDF Editor. It allows you to use many of its functions in the free version, and it doesn't have any malware in it. I installed it from Flathub on my Linux PC but it will add a watermark onto documents you use when you use the premium with when you're um when you use the premium functions that's what he says and it's the, I'm trying to interpret what he wrote that said it only costs a one time price of about $70 for the full premium version i don't work with pdfs often enough in my personal stuff to need the paid version so i just use the free version so there you go so folks if you're look again pat was talking about free options for doing some simple pdf editing but if your needs are a little more or if those particular programs aren't working for you, you might want to try out Master PDF Editor, which sounds like a uh, Linux and Windows program. So um, uh, that works great. Can't beat a one-time price, man. <laughs> you don't see that much anymore. No, no, you don't. Uh, that That's true. That's true. Uh, I actually, uh, I on the Mac, I've used PDF Pen Pro for ages. They recently was sold, uh, the, 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 the software was sold to another company. So I can't speak for how it is now, I think it's called Nitro PDF uh, now, but uh, I've I it was a great program before, and uh, you know if they if they haven't messed it up, it's probably still a great program. So just uh, mention that it's about in the same price range too. All right, so thanks uh, Ben for your feedback. We love getting feedback. 
So let's get to our guest in our first segment. And uh, just to mention that uh, Fidei email is not uh, sponsoring uh, the uh, Secrets of Tech or the StarQuest Network. We just wanted to talk to Kailash about his interesting company and the his his interesting background. So, um, Kailash, can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, to begin with? Yeah, thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to share. Um, personally, I am from a small town in Florida. I'm actually from a uh, the same town as Governor DeSantis. It's a really small town. And that's where I grew up and that's where I was born. I actually joined the Catholic faith as an adult. So that was something that was a really powerful experience that eventually led me to the church. But professionally, I was the founder of a technology startup in San Francisco. And this was actually in the PDF space, believe it or not. Oh, awesome. And we created a product that would allow financial firms on Wall Street to extract data from PDFs that would get presented to them. So usually they have to hand those those documents over to teams of people who would um, you know, manually type in the data by reviewing the PDFs one by one. And what we used was artificial intelligence, which could capture the meaningful parts of the PDF automatically and uh, imitate and scale that human work without any errors. So very, very familiar with PDFs. I don't know if you were expecting a, a no. guest that could. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. So did a lot of manipulation and extraction of data from PDFs in that company. But thanks be to God, that company was acquired last year. And that was a phenomenal professional success. And that was a great um, personal blessing. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible journey to be a part of. Um, and what I've been doing in the last year, this year, is uh, being the co-founder in the company called Fide Email that you mentioned. Thanks for saying our name. And we have a suite of products that are for Catholic businesses, typically, but we also have individuals on our platform. And... As the name would suggest, www.fide.email, we began with an email product and we have a calendar product as well. And we have, it's a, it's a competitor to Microsoft Office or Google Workspace, basically. And what we offer is the same utility of these products that most parishes, nonprofits, or small businesses would need, but we do so without any kind of misalignment on our values. So my co-founder and I are both devout Catholics and we give you the software you need without this trade-off of morality, which comes with big tech, unfortunately. Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, as a nonprofit, SQPN, we, we use the Google Workspace and they have a nonprofit program. But one of the things we run into sometimes is a, a lot of companies have nonprofit programs that give stuff away, but a lot of them will say, oh, we don't do religious groups or, you know, we don't do groups that discriminate in Usually it has to do with things that the church has opinions on, uh, has teachings on. Um, like, for example, I use Airtable extensively. It's a database product. I use it extensively to run uh, StarQuest. They couldn't w work without it, but I, they have a nonprofit version. But I can't use use that program because they explicitly exclude any religious groups. So that's an interesting that you would say that because that's a, I think that concerns a lot of people right now is the is kind of discrimination against people who have a particular religious belief and background. Yeah. And, and we, we use basically we've built on top of open source tools. So we have options that compete with Airtable, for example, and you're absolutely right. There's, there's really two issues that comes with working with um, these businesses, which are opposed to our values. And the first one is exactly what you said, that 
at some point along the way, they may not want to work with Catholic organizations anymore. And at that point, you will be ha- you will have to switch and it will be a lot less comfortable than doing so on your own accord. And the second part that we really try to bring up with um, mission-driven companies like yourself or the nonprofits and parishes that we work with is they, the way that they spend your money or the way that they spend their own money is almost always contradictory to our goals as Catholics. And when you work with an organization that explicitly supports um, ideas or programs which are moral anathemas, we're making our life harder. And I think for a long time, there was there were not options to switch to. But what we're trying to show through FIDE email is that there are very high quality pieces of software that you can use that are value aligned. And it doesn't come with this um, this issue that comes along the way where the, the person you're doing business with is directly trying to undermine what you're trying to accomplish in your mission. Interesting. So. Um... It, it's it's kind of fascinating and important to think about because, you know, uh, sometimes there's only there's there's only one option, right? You, you know, sometimes you you just have to do business with, you know, there's only so many f- people who can make phones on a large enough scale to make smartphones worthwhile, and they all Apple, Google, they all you know, th- there's none of them who are mission aligned, <laughs> like you know, like you are or or that sort of thing. So uh, so you kind of stuck. But when it co- when there's an organization that comes along that is aligned, you know, yeah, I could see where you at least should consider what they're doing and see if that's right for you. Do, do you, uh, I know there's, there's like players in the space for, you know, like Catholic parishes, like uh, websites, like eCatholic. Um, do you see yourself working on a larger scale with like going to a diocese and saying, hey, we want to set up all your parishes? I mean, is that sort of a thing that you're thinking about or in the plan? Yeah, that's actually already what we are doing. We um, we have a good relationship with eCatholic. So if you are a um, subscriber of theirs, we have a relationship with their um, support team where we can do all the migration of all the hosting that needs to be done. We Everything that we do requires virtually no effort from our customers. And eCatholic is a wonderful, phenomenal organization. And there are other Catholic organizations that we work with. And we sell directly to parishes. Some dioceses, they make that decision of the website design and everything at the higher level. But whoever is the technology buyer for your um, parish, the, that's who we work with. And, and yes, we're already in um, re- great relationship with eCatholic and we're really excited to um, explore, you know, all the different ways that value aligned Catholic companies are buying their software right now. So for for just a regular person to kind of describe how Fidemail works, um, do, do I, is it like Gmail? Do I go to a website and log in and look at my mail there? Can I get it on my phone, like in an app or in the built-in mail you know, programs? How, how does it work? It's a great question. Thank you. Yep. So it works exactly as you stated. There's a web client that you can use and you can log into that. If you're more familiar with that, you appreciate um that sort of interface. And it's, it's very similar to, to Gmail. It's very similar to these um, major mail providers. And we also have the ability to, we use open protocol. So we have the ability to be in your, um, your app that's on your phone or in your, um, the client that you have in your computer. So for me, for example, I do my feed email using the email app, which is native in my phone, I didn't have to download something. And I have downloaded something specific for doing email, 
But that's just because I prefer, I could use the, any of the built-in, you can use Outlook, you can use any of these built-in uh, email clients to, with, with Fide. So usually it won't require a, an extra download, but you can if you do want to. And we have guides that, set up, that help you set up everything. So we have an extensive content pipeline that's a, that you self-onboard. And, and we always have great reviews about people being able to get started. And of course, we're always here to answer any questions you have. That's awesome. I'd like to kind of expand a little bit and kind of pick your brain because as someone who obviously, you know, you in Silicon Valley, you know how things work in the high tech industry. What is it that the church generally, the number one technology that the church misunderstands in general or misuses? So could be using better. That's a, that's a great question. I think that um, really the, the initial reaction I have to the question is that the church um doesn't have enough people with with strong Catholic values producing technology. And I think the church is the mystical body of Christ. It's not just the um, diocese. It's not just the parish itself, but it's it's all of us as laity as well. And I think what lay people miss is the importance that businesses like FIDE exist or or comparable options exist in these very, very large marketplaces. I think like we've kind of touched a little bit about in this, in this conversation, there are some markets that are too niche and the marketplace and market demand cannot bear these like value aligned um, products and value aligned services. But I think what the church misses as a whole is how important it is for us to create our own options. And I think that Technology is incredibly important. The ability to communicate, the ability to um, host your own content, all of these different things that we are currently doing. I think as a, as a Catholic community, we outsource it too much, to be honest. You know, like I don't think that we maintain enough control and enough um, grip on our own technology needs. And I think that it's very important that as a community, we offer alternatives to ourselves for particularly these really important services like email or chat, some of these things that we do at FIDE, because it's really important that we have an option within our community. And, and some of the, I've, we work with um, some extremely large names that, that everyone in this program would recognize. And they're fearful because they've aligned themselves with kind of, we touched on organizations that hold values that are anathema to ours. And really they are now feeling a lot of challenge because they see that alternative options are coming up and they feel trapped. And I think it's good that we feel this discomfort a little bit, but I think what, what Catholics are missing is how important it really is for us to offer our own options in our own community. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, I've worked with, with uh, parishes and dioceses for years in previous jobs uh, on technology. And it's just, it's so frustrating how often trying to get through, you know, email websites, these things are not nice extras that we have. These are <laughs> fundamental ways of connecting with people today. It would be like saying, Oh, our parish doesn't need a telephone. Like who needs telephones? <laughs> you know, it's a, Oh, that's a modern convenience. No, this is a, this is a, for, you know, uh, your website, for instance, is your front door. It's your lawn. You know, would you let your front door and your lawn get decrepit and peeling paint and dead grass? What, what would people say about your parish if they came by and saw that? And this was uh, an issue in when I, when I worked in Archdiocese of Boston. You know, a third of the parishes had no website. A third had mm. a terrible website. The rest had a pretty OK website, you know, not perfect, but you know, okay. And it was such a struggle to get anyone to recognize. Like, I mean, a lot. I, I gotta, 
you know, pastors are overworked, <laughs> underpaid, you know, and, and they have so much on their plates. I get that. But it's got to be, you know, lady, you've got to step up and help your pastor and, you know, and do the job. Um, and that's that's a big thing, I think. You know, what's amazing, though, is we have so many uh, parishes and organizations sign up and I, I would have to do some analysis. But I think that for almost all of our parishes, it was a pastor led initiative who signed up as a customer. I would nice. have to go look and see for sure. But I'm pretty sure that it is it is really pastors who come to us and hear about us to programs like this. And they they check out themselves. I mean, they, it's very funny. They they pick the licenses they want. I mean, they're a self-serve consumer on our site. And it really is amazing that pastors are seeing this need and they are making this choice. And I, I would say probably our average pastor skews a little bit younger for sure. Mm. But they are the leaders of their parishes who are doing this. Right, right. Yeah. And that- as time goes on, and naturally, more and more of them will be uh, men who are comfortable with the technology and grew up with it and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, God bless our our gen, you know, our uh, greatest generation pastors and the baby boomer pastors, but the the Gen X and the millennial pastors are going to be more comfortable and familiar with this stuff. So over time, it will happen. Yeah. Um, what is when you look at the technology space, and we talk a lot on this program about new tech and AI and bit, um, not Bitcoin, but um, blockchain and all these new tech. What do you look at? What do you see as one of the greatest opportunities for the church in tech, you know, for evangelization, but also for community? You know, this might be a, a contrarian answer, but I think that a lot of these really, and, and look, you know, I, I did an entire business in artificial intelligence, but I think that, a lot of these very high-flying, cutting-edge technologies, um, for the most part, will not have a uh, profound impact. I think these more basic communication protocols and basic technology needs will be um, much more tangible for the average person. But I will say, this is something that I am very passionate about as well. I think there's a huge opportunity to apply um, natural language processing and artificial intelligence to the corpus of um, Catholic publications and theological publications that we have over the last 2022 years. Mm -hmm. I think that not enough has been done about indexing this content, because if you think about it, technology usually does not allow you to do something that's utterly new. A lot of times it just scales it in a way that because it becomes so cheap or so fast that it kind of transforms the way that we can, we can use it. So I don't think enough at all has been done at the church level for indexing the content that exists for all the writings of the saints, for example, this is something that I, I firmly intend to do uh, mm-hmm. later on in my career. If this problem remains unsolved, which would be to index and codify all saints writings from the, the last, all these centuries, and then creating searchable indexes kind of like the, you know, it's interesting Google as an idea, it's an index on web content, but the vast, vast majority of that web content is completely useless. And so we've indexed all these ideas and thoughts that are actually not that meaningful. I believe very much we need to do something similar for Catholic content from canonized saints that have, or at least the doctors of the church, because the way we could retrieve and inquire about theological concepts, if we had that type of tool, would be profoundly different than we do now. So that's something I'm extremely passionate about. And if that remains unsolved, say, 10 years from now, I, I probably would do that with a friend. 
an engineer friend. You might be familiar with the uh, company Logos and their Catholic product Verbum, which is a uh, it's a you know an electronic catalog of all this, and it's a really nice product. I mean, it's really great. Um, it's uh, it's not inexpensive by any means, uh, and but it's it's worth the price you pay for certainly, um, but. Uh, I I, th- I see what you're saying. What you're talking about is something a, a level above that, because you know there's still a barrier with Logos. You still have to understand how to approach the the material like that. So I I, I think that's really interesting. You know, one of the things I said years ago, like twenty thirty years ago, about the, the internet was the day will come when I will be able to go online. And I don't have to travel to Rome and get special permission from the Vatican and be an academic to look at the Codex Vaticanus or one of these ancient books. It'll be online and I can see it and I can zoom in to see the very fabrics of the of the vellum it's printed on, you know, that sort of thing. And we're almost there. In fact, a lot of that stuff has been digitized and is online. You can look at it, but it has to go even beyond that to like what you're saying is we have to not just have it available because all this stuff is online, like all the writings of the saints is online, but has to be made uh, approachable and understandable. Yes. And I also would say, even though we do have the writings of the saints or perhaps the images, what I find personally is zero. And I mean this truly zero amounts of this content are actually on Catholic sites or the Vatican. I find that it is on third party sites, but who knows, you know, we, we live in centuries as Catholics. So 150 years from now, I have, very high levels of skepticism that any of these websites and pet projects will exist. You know, if you try to look for, for example, the Summa Theologica from St. Thomas Aquinas and have any kind of searchability into it, it's impossible online. And even if it does exist, it's on someone's pet project hobby website, which God bless them for doing it, but it's not something that is actually sustainable for the Catholic community over the centuries. So it's not just about making this content available online, but it's about specifically hosting it with Catholic machines inside the Vatican or inside these parishes. These are, this is something that people are not thinking about that I'm very passionate about. And, and in a way, you know, it's hard, it may be hard to believe, but FIDE email is a vestigial idea of this, which is, we need to maintain these things ourselves, our ability to communicate and our ability to interface with one another. It's not so much that we need to just have this tool. It's that we need to have something that we maintain for ourselves and for our communities, because we should be looking out for ourselves in these very important ways. You're right. I, I see what you're saying there, because a lot like there's God bless them, like Kevin Knight, who created newadvent.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 years ago, which is a fantastic project, but it's, it's his project. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Kevin is a mortal man and he will pass on, you know, uh, but hopefully God, God uh, make it many years from now, but he will pass on. And what will happen to his website? I've been thinking about that myself, about my own website. I have a blog, a Catholic blog. It's been around for, it's not on the same level, but you know, it's been around for more than 20 years. It's one of the first Catholic blogs that was on the internet. And I'm like, when do I let it go? When do like I'm not going to hand this off to my kids and make them pay hundreds of dollars a year to host this old creaky WordPress website for for eternity? And I'm not going to rely on the Internet Wayback Machine at archive.org to make it available. And that's a, that is a, actually a big a big concern we should all have is the uh, the 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 short lifespan of any internet content. You know, even these podcasts. If Apple Podcasts directory goes away or Libsyn or the SQPN website goes away. So do these podcasts and where, you know, what happens to all that? So that is an important question. How do we keep and maintain all of this inf- inf- important stuff uh, for the long term, including this timeless material you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, 
we know that these companies will go away. And we know that over the centuries, the, these whatever computers we have that are hosting, they may not last forever. And we don't know what will happen to these businesses. But we do know the church will exist for as long as, you know, as long as time goes on. And I, I think this is just one example to answer your question. I think this is something that I'm very passionate about to create a centralized um, codification of all the major saints writings, certainly the doctors of the church that is actually maintained and owned by Catholic parishes. Interesting. That's great. You know, one of the things that the church has to figure out and do better with before, you know, but, but when we do that is this whole copyright issue, which is a huge problem with the USCCB, especially, um, which copyrights everything, including our liturgical documents, our liturgical prayer books. And uh, I know Brandon Vaught has been passionate about, and I've joined him in this, that the church should be using Creative Commons, should stop copywriting things and holding it in a stranglehold. Uh, and that would be a necessary element, I think, to doing this sort of thing. Yeah, and that's that's why I mentioned specifically like the the doctors of the church or some of these older names because we don't have to deal with that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Awesome. Well, Kailash, this has been a fantastic uh, conversation. I really uh, appreciate you joining us. And uh, if people want to find out more about uh, your service, it's at fidei dot email f i d e i dot email. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, anything else you want to say before uh, we let you go? Yeah, thank you so much for putting a putting a link in the show notes for this. You know, all I would say is it can be a daunting task to think about how to switch and making these changes. And I think it sometimes may seem like it's not a big deal. But I would tell you, just try to give a chance to see what we're doing. And it's really very easy for us to just at least have a conversation. And I would tell you, every parish and every team that has switched to us has been satisfied. And the reason is they they want to move away from working with organizations that really hate us. And I'm, I'm super excited with the growth that we've had. And I'm really excited to share this with your, uh, with your audience. And I look forward to helping anyone who's interested, even just drop us a line, even with questions, you know, it's not even about uh, doing business with us. We're just excited to get Catholic organizations to be thinking about technology in a new way. Great. Fantastic. Thank you, Kalesh, very much. Thank you. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including James H., Robert K., Scott P., Mel Kathleen P., and Catherine L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So let's talk about some of our headlines this week. Uh, now, Thomas, I know that uh, where you are, you you you've been suffering from uh, the effects of Hurricane uh, Ian this past. Or should I yes. say Ian? Is it? Uh, should I say the British version, or is it just? We'll just say Ian. Uh, <laughs> so I, mean, I think Ian because it's you know it's from the Caribbean. So I'm going to go with go with the American pronunciation of it. There you go. There you go. So uh, so yeah, you've been kind of suffering some some tech issues, uh, some power issues where you are. Definitely, yeah. It's we're I'm in Tampa, so. We were really nervous about it and to the point where they shut down the, the city itself and then uh, even shut down the power to the, the southern part of the city, worried that it was going to come through. Wow. And, um, you know, I have, I have some family down in Fort Myers where it did actually hit Ugh. and oh, it was it was very bad down there. Uh, yeah. All the water rose and if many communities were just flattened. So 
yeah, lots of lots of stuff going on around here for it. <laughs> uh, I've seen some pictures and uh, it's it's been horrific. Um, so there's a tech angle to the recovery, which is interesting. Uh, one of our first headlines, uh, Elon Musk in, in Starlink is donating Starlink. The headline says donating Starlink satellites to Southwest Florida. I know. I think what he's donating <laughs> is the the uh, the base stations is to, right. To use. Yeah. <laughs> I was when that came out. I was like, how is that even going to work? There's <laughs> a bunch of satellites. They're up there. Yeah. Go go get them. Uh, yeah. I, but it's so, I think it's the cost for the base. And if, yeah. if you if you haven't seen if anybody doesn't understand how uh, technologically advanced these bases are, um, I will, I will share a link with you, Dom, and we can put it in the show notes about okay. a, a t- uh, kind of explanation video that explains how these bases work, because it is incredible technology. It really is just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, this is something that would be really useful in this situation, it, because if you have a port- portable power generator and can plug into uh, one of these satellite dishes, you suddenly have internet for quite a quite a big radius around right. uh, these dishes. Yeah, so these are not the home ones that like you'd put on top of your house. These are right. ba- like large units, and they said that it has a it can one one of these units can serve a community of with a radius of thirteen miles and support more than a thousand u- users at any given time. I mean that's that's mm-hmm. huge. These are basically the the, the units that that he sent to Ukraine uh, earlier this right. year uh, to to help them out. So. Uh, Pretty fantastic. And, and, you know, given that Tesla, SpaceX, batteries, solar panels, <laughs> you know, it's the yep. and Florida does not lack for su- or sunlight. So that's a that's that would be very useful there. So uh, that's kind of awesome to see. Um, well, I think a really cool thing about it is, too, um, because we had a lot of people near us that were using generators. But I would love to see this situation also set up with a portable solar generator. Yeah. Uh, and there are some amazing battery uh, systems that that use portable solar and can charge up really well. And th- th- the amount of power that this thing uses can't be tremendous. So I would imagine that a solar generator with a good battery could probably keep this thing going for days. Right. No problem. I think, I think so. And yeah, they've got these like Tesla mega units that they've been uh, putting in various places uh, these like mega batteries, basically that mm-hmm. um, they're kind of they're batteries for the power grid in in other places to to even out power outages. Uh, but for this sort of situation, I think it would work really well, um, and then also help power you know necessary equipment and you know right. help people charge phones and stuff. Um, you know, speaking of Starlink, just as a, as a tangent, I was the other day I was out with my daughter's uh, Cub Scout pack. We're outdoors doing some outdoor cooking at night. And one of the kids looks up and says, what's that? I look up and there's a string of, say, 30 (laughs) dots in the sky traveling. These are not airplanes. This is way up in in orbit, traveling in a line. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, are those aliens? Is it? (laughs) No, it's a Starlink train. It's the the, uh, Falcon. uh, They launched a Falcon uh, a couple weeks ago. And it deploys them all together, the satellites at first, and they're in orbit together in this long train, and eventually they disperse into their orbits. But right. it was pretty wild to see that in person, I gotta say. Oh, that's neat. I haven't seen one of those yet. I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can figure out when they're going to happen. Yeah, I think, I, think, I, I think one of the things to, to hear, I, I, just to touch back on this, um, uh-huh. on this topic, uh, I, I wanted to highlight why this is a, a really 
powerful thing because I think a lot of people are like, well, what, why do you need internet? <laughs> you know, for <laughs> if, if, if this horrible stuff is going on, why do you need internet? But just to give you a frame of reference for it, my uh, sister-in-law who's in Fort Myers, she called uh, the day after the hurricane because her house flooded. And so she called the flood insurance the day after the hurricane Unfortunately, was able to get in touch with them and they were able to come out and send an adjuster out the next day to to see the damage that had been done. And so, you know, the ability to get communications back up and running is huge and not to be uh, it's not something to look down on. I I think in in our age, you know, we were just talking about with the emails and with um, Uh technology that that the church can be really good and involved in communication technology is really it it is absolutely necessary in the modern age. You can't yes. get by without it. You can't get help. You can't get food. You can't get, you know, medicine without communications. I mean, mm-hmm. especially given that they're like the bridges, like to Sanibel Island and these other places are out. You can't literally can't get there or get away from there right. except by boat or air. Communications is vital. Um, so- and then uh, to beyond that too, like, um, in a lot of these places because the the cell towers are as tall as they are and it, mm-hmm. it, they might be built well but a uh, category five hurricane it's going to take some of that stuff down oh yeah and if you can get this kind of thing up whatsapp it can run off of wi-fi so right. if you can connect to this wireless signal you can start whatsapp and communicate with your family right uh, who might be somewhere else and worried that you're dead because they can't get in touch with you anymore right speaking of cell towers uh there's another story uh from verizon uh which is fascinating to see how they respond in such an emergency like they talk about mobile towers setting up on beaches but the thing i love is they have drones they have uh mm-hmm. drones that they send up and they just hover there see they what they can do is they can do a satellite uplink they do a satellite backhaul, so when the cables are down or the microwave dishes can't go point to point, that's how most cell calls go. They go from those big round dishes on the tower, and they point to another one, another tower, and they, it's point to point. But when those are down, they have to go up to a satellite. But that satellite, it, that's a long distance <laughs> to shoot mm-hmm. a signal, and then down again, it's not as good. It's slower and all this sort of stuff. So they put up these drones that can handle hundreds of more calls per hour thousands maybe even uh it's just fascinating to see the technology that has developed with these drones in order to do this sort of thing it's fantastic that we have this and that you know companies like verizon are prepared to do it yeah i i think this one's really cool because it's uh it's essentially the same thing as the starlink it's just uh on a on an in-atmosphere scale right yes yes exactly exactly uh, so awesome. Uh, it, the, the recovery is going to be a long recovery. Uh, I, I went through mm-hmm. flooding in, on a small scale in my house last year. I know how devastating just even that could be. But when it's your entire community and you're just one among many, it's really so uh, prayers to everyone in Southwest Florida. It's just uh, t- uh, terrible to see. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to follow up on a couple of things from our conversation with Kailash and uh, Fide email. Um, I, I, w- I wanted to mention earlier and I forgot, but um, the importance of of churches, nonprofits, controlling your technology. Uh, there's a story, and I'll put the link in the show notes, about how this one consultant helped this very small business you, that uses Google Workspace to, re, to get c- control of their Google Workspace um, because someone who had set it up for them was a super administrator. Mm-hmm. There's one person who's, in, who's the super administrator. 
and they didn't leave their email, didn't leave, they didn't, you know, they didn't leave any passwords. And so when it came time, when it was all, when it was offline, how do I get it back? And this is, it's an amazing detective story. You have to read it because it's fascinating. If you're at all interested in how, you know, so, someone might track something like this down and use technology to recover, it was fascinating. But I have personally helped dealt with parishes where like they didn't, some parishioner 10 years ago registered their domain on a registrar personally and they're gone. They, no one knows where that guy is. He's moved. He's on another side of the country. No one knows how to get in touch with them. And so they can't reg- re-register their domain. They lose it. So people are going to, you know, catholicinmytown.com and your your website is gone and Google's sending them there because it, that's was that was the website. Um it's so important. I have a story about this too. Okay, you tell me your story. <laughs> the, the the parish that I was working at uh, when I was doing the the social media for them, and this has been years ago. Um, I started a a Google uh, place for them. So so on the Google uh, the maps and how you can you know rate places in the maps uh, app in Google. Uh, I set that up, and I'm still the owner of it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've moved out of that position. I've tried to hand it off to a couple of different people <laughs> come into the position, but I still get notifications when uh, the five star reviews come up for the for the oh, parish. Yes, I know. So. It, it's so it's so important to 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 have all the passwords to control your stuff. This is this is like, you know, again, I mean, the, by analogy, it's like letting someone else buy the church property and then you know, for the church, they, you build a church on it, but they own the land and then they move away and there's no way to get in touch with them. Like mm-hmm. the, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's essentially the same sort of thing. So it really is. Yeah. So it's, it is so important to, uh, to control the, your, your, your stuff, your technology uh, for your church. Uh, all right. So the next headline is uh, this is interesting. So the GPU shortage is over now. Uh, for those who don't know, a <laughs> GPU is a is a graphics processing unit. It's an it's an important element in every computer. Um, you have a CPU, which does well. The old days, the CPU did all the main thinking, and the GPU did all the graphics. That's not actually true anymore. CPUs and GPUs really share the load in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not so uh, finely divided, but GPUs are vital. And, uh, and it's, they're not just for gaming machines. They're, they're, they're actually in all computers. Uh, but it was hard to get a hold of one the last few years. They were extremely expensive and hard to get a hold of because they were being snapped up by cryptocurrency miners. Um, I don't want to mm-hmm. get into a long explanation of how cryptocurrency mining works. Uh, but just suffice to say that, uh, people earned money in cryptocurrency by, um, doing lots of mathematical calculations using particular formulas, um, and that earn, and if they did it at a large enough scale, they could make lots of money. But the scale was so much that they needed all of these graphics cards because that's what graphics, that's what GPUs essentially do, is they do math. Uh, right, a lot They're of really math. good at math. They're really good at a math. lot of math all at one time, that, and that's that's the trick with the GPUs is that they do a lot of math. It's like having like twenty scientists working on a problem simultaneously, and eventually one of them will come up with the right answer, and yes. and that's what the that's what the Bitcoin miners wanted. <laughs> and so basically, the, that shortage is over because the cryptocurrency gold rush is. I'm not going to say it's over. I mean, it could come back, but it's certainly not happening right now, uh, partly because some of the way that currencies like Ethereum, which was one of the big ones, 
the way it worked changed. I don't need to get into details, but it made it not profitable to do the the mining anymore. Uh, electric prices have gone, electricity prices have gone up. And if there's one thing you know is that running your computer at high speeds all the time is is uses a lot of electricity. And so the more expensive electricity is, the less valuable, the less the less profit you're earning. Um, and, and, uh, what was the, th- there was a third difference. Oh, and it's just the, the whole crypto market has, has bottomed out in this economy. So it's just not worthwhile right now. And so it's kind of funny, like companies like NVIDIA and Radeon were like raking in the cash because there was mm-hmm. such high demand even throughout the pandemic. And now suddenly they're, they've got all of these cards sitting on their hands that they, they, they can't get rid of, which is kind of interesting. It's not a great time yet to buy a GPU, though. So yeah. wait about three months and then you're going to hit the sweet spot because then it's going to be then they're going to really have a lot of junk on their hands that they can't get rid of. Right. Well, they're <laughs> going to have the next models coming in while they have last year's models all sitting in warehouses that they're going to want to exactly. clear out. That's yeah. So, I mean, if you're if there's anything, you know, about tech, you don't want it sitting in a warehouse for a long time. <laughs> no, no, it's, it doesn't get better with age. That's for certain. Um, so if you're a, if you're a gamer who's been looking to trick out your uh, your uh, PC, you know, you're, you're this is going to be a good Christmas for you. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Yeah. I was, I, I, yeah. And I will say I will say here one thing that's really interesting. I've been I've been betting on Ethereum for a while and it's. um not like I'm Bitcoin miner kind of betting, but that that Ethereum was going to be the one that really broke this uh, record because the 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 system for Ethereum, the way that that Ethereum works, was that eventually it was going to flip from uh, proving work to the the way that it that it is now, which is stakes. And um, this this was something I've been waiting on. <laughs> I thought it was going to happen about five ten years ago. Yeah, uh, but but uh, you know it's. It's taken its time to get there, but it got there eventually. And and this is it's good because it means that there's still profitability in in the Bitcoin, uh, and in, in the well, not the Bitcoin, but in the um in the the blockchain system here. But it's not this ridiculous. Just how much can we crunch numbers indefinitely? And so yeah. it's finally settling into what it's what its end stage is supposed to be, where there's some predictability to what the coins are worth. And then the, the what's really worthwhile is the proof that comes out of this. And so that means that, that there is that you can actually lay a claim to something digitally and that claim exists indefinitely, even if, even as those digital items uh, trade hands. So, you know, the NFT stuff that we've talked about has been kind of in that vein. And I don't think we're going to see any more of the craziness around the NFTs either because of this kind of thing where there's there is an actual chain to ownership. And I I like this because the blockchain is going to settle down now yes. and it's not going to be as weird and Wild West and unpredictable as it has been. The, the, let the gold rush in. Let's let's enter a new age of <laughs> stability and predictability. Uh, exactly. When it comes to finances. Stability and predictability. While while gold rushes benefit some, they're bad for most. Predictability and stability mm-hmm. is is best for most, and so I, I agree with you on that. Um, so the last headline is uh, Comcast is saying that they're they're going to start rolling out two gigabit speeds in select markets to millions of people. Uh, so if you live in, let me see here, uh, Colorado Springs, Augusta, Georgia. I don't know if you play the Masters or something. Panama City Beach, Florida, or Philadelphia, you can, and you're a Comcast customer, you you can start looking forward to getting up to two gigabit speeds. Now, 
no no word on how much that's going to cost you. And mm-hmm. uh, at first, it's it's not going to be symmetrical. So symmetrical means it's two gigabits up and two gigabits down. So you have these high speeds up and down. Uh, at first, it's good. The upload is going to max out at two hundred, which. I mean, let's be honest. That's still a that's lot. So fast. That's so yeah. fast. Um, I have right now 500 up and down or so, and I have uh, Verizon FiOS. Um, so two gigs it just seems astonishing to me. Um, and but they say next year they're going to have the the two gig symmetrical uh, available. So wow. uh, the 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 difference is is like fiber optic has has had this speed as bandwidth it's not really speed it's bandwidth built in um whereas cable has been kind of restricted by just the technology the physics of cable and all that sort of stuff that they use but they've got these new these new standards that they're going to push a lot more the theoretical theoretical which means it's never going to happen but theoretical 10 gig downloads uh could be possible which mm-hmm. let's be clear most of your most of your in- house's internal internet unless it's wired is slower. So it's, yeah. it's not going to benefit. You. Well, you'd have to have fiber optic cables directly to anything in the, that's using it for it to, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it gets to the point where it's like a 4k TV and yeah. Okay. A 4k TV is fine. If you have a, like a 30 foot TV, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to make a difference there, but on your standard TV in your living room, a 4k is just, overkill there's no reason right. to have to be running there's no reason to really even be running 1080p on most of those things because most of our eyesight isn't even good enough to, <laughs> right, to tell right. the difference <laughs> it's too dark so, uh yeah the, yeah. the uh <laughs> oh, well the, one of the benefits to having a lot of bandwidth is if you multiple devices many devices and as our homes become filled with more and more smart devices more phones and ipads and mm-hmm. computers that sort of thing and the, you know the more we do streaming and zoom meetings and classes that's that's the sort of thing that can benefit from it or if you have a small business that, that sort of thing mm-hmm. um but uh yeah like, like we i'm constantly streaming stuff video and all that sort of stuff and 500 is in plenty so um it's nice yeah. to see broadband but what i would love to see is less the these moonshot programs where we're five cities get two gigs how about everybody getting inexpensive one one gig you know 500 yeah. megabits you know that would be nice uh that's so really for a where decent we... provider around here giving me uh giving me 500 that would be yeah <laughs> that would be nice well and and uh, the, the uh the shame for americans is that most countries they're getting those high speeds mm-hmm. at a much lower cost than we're paying and uh oh, yeah. that that's that's all about uh regulators and palms getting greased i think yeah, well, that and, and the infrastructure and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where infrastructure needs to get better. And that, that comes back to the regulations and things yeah. like that. I, I, there's there's the I don't know if you if we've covered it on the show, but the guy who started his own fiber optics company. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Up in yeah, Ann okay, Arbor. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. If that's a, an entrepreneurial outlook and, you know, he had the capital to make it happen. And I think. Mm hmm. It sort of goes back to the early days of internet service providers when you had local companies getting people online, and I, you know, right. I, I kind of miss those days. I mean, they they weren't always the most reliable necessarily, <laughs> yeah. but you had choices and options. And today, most people have at best two choices, um, and in many right. cases, just one, and and that's mm-hmm. not good. So, well, and the, and then the choices aren't 
great. Like, you know, with ours, it's like we've got the one company that's good customer service, but yeah, you know, kind of questionable actual delivery of, of product. And the other guy that delivers the great product, but man, you never want to have to call help desk because it's you're not getting through <laughs> oh man that, i think i know who that is <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it might be someone we're just I'm not talking gonna about. say names just because <laughs> i don't want to be mean but <laughs> yeah i know oh i mean just like i i just i i never want my internet to go down because i hate calling like that i mean honestly mm-hmm. comcast verizon i've had comcast i have verizon now um they're both you know, i mean as long as it works i'm happy but um dealing with the with companies the big companies like that is not never pleasant so uh, yeah. Which is another another reason to look at small values aligned companies like uh, email. <laughs> when you think about it, you know, when, if Bingo. you ever have a problem with uh, again, I'm not endorsing or sponsoring. You know, they're, they're not a sponsor. I'm not endorsing. Sorry, but when I think about it, if you have a problem with your Google workspace, you can't call anyone. You can't get anyone on the phone. Mm-hmm. You have to send an email to, or chat. I'm going to guess that when you have a problem with your Fide email system there's a person you can talk to at the other end of the phone. And that's, that's not nothing. So uh, you're there. Yeah. Awesome. So those are our headlines. Let's move on to our picks of the week. Thomas, I'll let you go first. What's your pick? All right. So uh, sorry, iPhone users. I don't know of an equivalent on iPhone. So uh, maybe you can <laughs> fill us in on that one, Dom, but uh, I have this uh, great app on, on my phone. It's called whistle to notes. And I'm I'm a, a constant doodler. Well, I'll have you know a tune pop in my head, and I want to save it for later. And and I I don't want to just have the 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 actual sound of it. I want to be able to write it down and and make it into music at some point. And this this program's really good if you can whistle or hum moderately well. It will pick out the notes that you are uh, that you are giving to it, and it's it has been fantastic for me. Like I'll, I'll do the whistling into it. I'll take the notes. I'll go to my piano later on and play it, play it back. And it's darn close. If it's not, you know, if I, if I'm not flat (laughs) on my whistling, then um, I can get pretty close to whatever it is uh, that I'm, that I'm trying out, trying for. And my son has gotten really into um, producing music. Uh, We're kind of putting together a family video game. And so one of the things that he's in charge of is the music and he has just fallen in love with this app where it, it helps him tremendously because he, he doesn't know necessarily how to name the notes, but he can sing them or whistle them. And so he'll do that and then he'll go and put the notes into his app or into LMMS, which is a, a sound system that he uses. And then he can pick out what he needs from there. So definitely recommend it uh, if you're a person like me who just likes to be able to take something that you've got in your head and put it on a piano. You know, f- uh, families making video games together is seems to be a theme on this show because that's uh, something Victor is also doing with his kids. But uh, awesome, they're apparently. Uh, I just did a quick uh, Google uh, of of, uh, of this sort of space. There apparently are some apps that claim to do this on iOS. There was a French uh, company called Symphonia that says it does hmm. it. Um, there's another one called HumTap and HumOn are uh, others. I don't know. I, I didn't look to see if any of them were still in you know making the apps or anything like that so you know don't don't hold me to that but uh um <laughs> I, it's it's amazing the that you can do that. I, I i feel almost certain i've seen something like that on mac break weekly or something once uh that sort of thing so um but it's it's fascinating it like the kind of thing they'd have yeah yeah it's just it's, it's amazing to me like i mean that does the, these these things do voice recognition you'd think they can they can hear and Shazam 
can I can be in a in a bar or restaurant, play hold up my phone to the sound system and download a song within 30 seconds to my phone. You know, I mean, if right. it can do that, it, you know, it, uh, it should be able to do this. I think it might just be a niche market thing. That might be the problem is that there's just not enough people who are, oh, there are a lot who, of, who need, need yeah. this. There are a lot of musicians, though, I got to say. There are a lot of musicians. So yeah. That's a really cool. That's a really cool app. Uh, so you, yours is uh, just for uh, Android. My uh, pick is just for Mac. Sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> it's it's one called Display Buddy, and it's a very particular uh, for a very particular need. Um, if you have a. Uh, a, a Mac that has an external display. So not an iMac, not a MacBook of any sort, but say if you have a Mac mini or a Mac studio, or you have an iMac or a, or a MacBook that you've attached an external display to that's not Apple branded because those are wicked expensive. Um, you, you, this might be the app for you. Cause one of the things that I've, uh, I've got two external displays that I use. And one of the problems has always been like when I want to adjust the brightness or, you know, the contrast or that sort of thing, or if they have speakers built in, it's like, do you ever have to fiddle with the buttons on the side, the little control buttons and Mm. like TVs are the same way. I hate those things. It is the worst interface ever invented. Cause like tap, Menu comes up. Okay, I'm supposed to tap the top one. Nope, that's the select button. Uh, like, and then, you know, or if I'm trying to move the monitor around, I always end up grabbing one of those. Well, dis- what Display Buddy does is it gives you controls for your external displays on screen on your Mac. Uh, so, uh, when, that's uh, if you have more than one, it will show the uh, display for, uh, show it for both computers. And the nice thing is, mm-hmm. is you can set up, um, uh, standard settings like uh for so uh during during the day uh the the this screen should be this brightness and this contrast but at night this screen should be this brightness and contrast and this one should be that brightness and contrast and you can control it remotely so you can uh i uh you can set up um what i'm trying to say is uh uh Keyboard shortcuts. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, And then you can, um, I use some programs that uh, like uh, keyboard maestro where I can program it and have it all happen. You know, like uh, when I'm, when I'm about to like record a podcast, I have a lot of things happen at once on my, on my computer. Like it turns certain things off, turns the volume down and all those. But what the other thing does is it adjusts the screen brightness. So that uh, hmm. it's not another giant light source. That's basically what these two two monitors are. Uh, anyway, it's really great, and you can uh, do things like switch also which input it uses and all that sort of stuff right from the screen from from this this control. So it's a really nice little program. It is about thirteen dollars to buy, unless and you know what's coming next, folks. If you have set app subscription, <laughs> it's free and part as part of your set app subscription. So. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, uh, well, well worth the price, uh, of admission. If you have, if you have monitors, that was so, a smart move on their part. The, the setup setup <laughs> is a great product. I, I mean, I held up for a while and then I realized like, I already have a lot of these apps. I say this all the time when I talk about it, but I have a lot of these apps that I'm paying, you know, upgrade fees for not district subscriptions even, but upgrade fees for. I don't have to do that anymore. It's cheaper to have set up. It's that, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, I did the math and I figured it out. It was cheaper uh, to have set up. So 
Excellent. So that are those are our picks of the week, and uh, that should do it for us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, what did you think of any part of our discussion, including our conversation with Kailash? Uh, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord, and you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at sqpn.com. Please write a review of the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you can, and share the podcast with your friends to help us grow this community and reach ever more listeners. We'd like to thank James for research assistance in this episode, and until next time, Thomas Sanerho, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It's been great. And we'd also like to thank Kailash Doraswamy for joining us. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Thank you.